Hello and welcome everyone to Monster Hour. I am Quinn, your Keeper of Monster and Mysteries. With me today are Hannah. I'm Hannah and I play JR the Crooked. Tio. I'm Tio and I play Constance the Expert. And Kyle. Kyle plays Alvin the Monstrous. And talks in third person. That's today. <laughs> <laughs> That's where today's going. Yep. <laughs> So in our last session, the three of you finally met up in person. You reviewed some of the evidence that you had accumulated. And then we swiftly separated. Yes, and then you immediately separated. (laughs) (laughs) It was nice. Okay, goodbye. After some discussion and Leon's disappearance in the morning and the discovery of another dead body, um, the three of you decided to split back up to further your investigation. Alvin, you went to the Jackalope to find your friend Leon. Constance, you were at the police station where the receptionist inquired whether you were a reporter too. And JR, you had returned to the prospector to speak to Jasper, the owner. I think I want to start with Alvin because you got probably the most... (laughs) uh, Possibly the most course-changing move. So I did want to see what do you want to do? Alvin, upon hearing that Leon has gone to the police station where Constance is and where his camera definitely isn't, (laughs) wants to kind of head off this catastrophe quickly. So he is going to book it to the police station. And by book it, I mean go faster than you would think possible in that he's going to use his no limits move. Okay. Which is a weird move, which allows me to push the limits of human ability. Yeah. Because I'm monstrous. My legs bulge with muscles in the fur on my ankles. <laughs> That's all you can see is I got pants on. But it's just the fur on your ankles? Well, there's fur other places too, but I got okay. pants on, so you can only see it at the ankles. Okay. So in the parking lot of the jackalope, you explode with ankle hair and <laughs> take off running. <laughs> so go ahead and roll no limits for me. So roll plus weird. Sure. I've rolled a six, but I get a plus three to weird, so that makes that a nine. Okay. Uh, On a seven to nine, you do it. In this case, you run very quickly, but there is a consequence. So you suffer one harm, you take minus one forward, or you need to rest right now. I think for the purposes of what you're accomplishing, the need to rest right now would be upon your arrival at the police station. I think so too, but I think what he's going to do, uh, he's instead going to take minus one forward as the stress of running so fast and the stress of worrying about his friends, old and new, are kind of weighing on him as he arrives. So what does it look like when you are sprinting down this this street? I know we've talked a little bit about your physical um, manifestations, but are you just sprinting faster than a normal human could? Do you get a little more wolfish and drop down onto all fours? What does it look like? Yeah, it gets a little more a little more wolfish, but as his monstrous aspect is kind of more brawn than lithe muscles, he's not just moving faster than a normal human would. He's just his steps are enormous. So he's kind of bounding along down the roads. Okay. We'll we'll address the consequences of anyone potentially seeing you later. Yeah. I'm so fast they can't <laughs> they don't know who I am. Let's jump to Constance, actually, at the police station, where you will sort of join her in a little bit. (laughs) So, Constance, this receptionist has just inquired whether or not you are also a reporter. Oh, uh, no, 
No, no, I am not. Oh, well, Detective Galvan is the lead detective on this case, and she's she's in a meeting with another reporter right now. It seemed somewhat serious, so I I don't really want to interrupt them, but if you have a seat when she's done, I can I can let her know that you're here. You know, I I may not be a reporter, but I I am working with one. I'm curious if that's who's in this meeting. Can you describe the, the do you happen to have a name for this reporter? Oh, um I don't know if I should say. Uh, I'm sorry. We don't usually disclose who detectives are are meeting with. It's a it's a safety issue. Why don't I take a guess here? Uh he's meeting with Leon. Is that correct? Am I correct to assume so? Uh, who's Leon? Leon would be the reporter with the local paper who is following the curious cases going on in town, including a murder right now. Detective Galvan is meeting with a woman. Huh. And I think as that happens, you hear a door <laughs> slam, and from the bullpen area, a woman walks out. Uh, she's a, a larger woman. She's got uh, thick, sort of curly hair. She has a septum piercing. And she's wearing a, like a denim jacket, and she strides out. And a few seconds later, the door opens again, and it's Detective Galvan. Cool jacket. This woman is sort of moving past you, and as you say that, she kind of looks at you for a second and then just keeps walking. And Detective Galvan says, Eve, this really isn't an appropriate response. Eve. He was at a crime scene. We confiscated his camera in all due process. You can't bury us under public records requests like this. this is ridiculous. Hi, Eve. Uh, uh, I was told by Leon to meet with you discussing the uh, harassment that he received. Who are you? Hi, I'm a weird art girl. You may have uh, read about me on Leon's, uh, on Leon's Twitter account. Oh, I don't read that trash. Come on. <laughs> well, <laughs> me and you both. Me and you both. Uh, Leon's a sorry, good reporter, let me introduce but myself. His, his Twitter habits are out of control. You know, we could all use less screen time. I actually switched to the black and white on my phone, the grayscale, you know, to really try to minimize the ability of it to hit my psyche. I'm sorry, and, do um, you need- Yes, sorry. I, we got off track here because we already are jiving so well. My name is Constance. Uh, I actually have been housing Leon since he was harassed by the police. I was there to witness- what happened to his cameras. Uh, I'm also working with him on a story right now, and I just was hoping that you could actually tell me where he is. I, I want you to manipulate someone. <laughs> That's oh, fair. Boy. <laughs> this feels like a role. Yeah, it's definitely a role. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also slightly lying. Okay. That's not gonna... Oh, ah! A solid seven. Okay. On a seven to nine, they'll do it, but only if you do something for them right now to show that you mean it. If you ask too much, they'll tell you what, if anything, it would take for them to do it. So I think Eve sort of looks you up and down with a very skeptical look and says, um, you're working on a, a story with Leon, you said? Yes, we've actually been- Let me I, see your I phone. I was also, if I gave my phone to everyone, I would lose it just like Leon lost those cameras. Ayo! Let me see your phone or we're done. I, I will happily hand over my phone after you let me say my piece. And I start to I start to take it out of my back pocket, but as I'm taking it out, I'm also saying I was there at the murder scene. I also witnessed things. We came together and my, my hand is like coming slowly towards her and put together a list of what this suspect looked like and what we believe happened. And I've now put it in her hand and I'm making 
the strongest eye contact. She's making complete eye contact with you the whole time. Uh, and she takes your phone and opens Facebook, punches a few buttons, says, hmm, not Facebook friends with Leon, not following Leon on Twitter. <laughs> to be fair, you don't follow Leon on Twitter, and I'm not Facebook friends with Leon Oh, I follow Leon on Twitter. I just don't care. <laughs> it doesn't seem like you know Leon at all. So explain a little bit more about what the story that you're working on with him is. Right. So, first of all, if I didn't know Leon, I wouldn't be able to commiserate with you on how annoying he can sometimes be. I'm sure, I'm sure you're well aware. As I said, Leon and his buddy Alvin were, let's just say, out and about when the murder happened. And I was walking in that general direction and witnessed what I believe to be the murderer. And then I ran towards the crime scene, at which point Leon kind of um, forced his way in and uh, started take, uh, insisting on taking photos. And one thing led to another. And Leon ended up coming back to my place with his friend Alvin to go over all of the clues that we had gathered between the three of us before the camera was confiscated. So this morning, uh, you know, we went to the park to look at what he had been investigating last night to see if it was connected and i haven't seen him since but we're, we're we're on the same team here all right well that sounds like more or less what leon was going on about this morning so here's what i'll tell you he came here with me to get his camera back but as soon as i went into the meeting with detective galvan he said he had other business to attend to and he went somewhere if you're such good friends with them i bet you can find him and she uh, turns and starts making her way towards the exit. Thanks, Eve. I'm sure we'll share more information later, huh? Seems unlikely. As she um, pushes the front door open and uh, steps out. This is why you don't get leads from people in town. Detective Galvan is just uh, standing by the security door to the bullpen area and is just eyeing you with a very befuddled look. Detective Galvan. Constance. How you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm sure you're a little mad at me right now. I get it. I get it. Well, I must admit the dressing down that you received from Eve did help ameliorate things a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was probably really fun for you to watch. Well, well look. I was just on the receiving end as well, so perhaps there's a bit of camaraderie to be had. Yes, I mean, why would I put myself in the middle of all of this nonsense if I didn't think that I had to. And until I feel like I've really been heard, you know I'm just going to keep coming back and pushing your buttons until I've just like gotten this out, seen that it was in a report, and and just hear me out and let me ask you like four questions. <laughs> it is possible that things got a little bit out of hand last night, I will admit. Why don't you come back, uh, and I'll take a more formal statement, and we can talk a little bit about what you experienced. How does that sound? That would be lovely. And she, she leads you back into the, the bullpen area, sort of a, a modern open office concept. Um, and you can see about a dozen other police officers sitting at desks. A number of others are, are empty. Obviously, there are officers out on patrol. But she, she sort of takes you back into a, uh, a small conference room. Would you care for any coffee or tea, perhaps? Anything I can get you before we get started? 
Oh yeah, a good jasmine tea would really hit the spot right now. One moment, and a few minutes go by and she comes back with some nice jasmine tea. It's a pretty sterile conference room. There's sort of an overhead fluorescent light for as many modern features as there are in this building. It still feels almost like an interrogation room. She pulls out your chair and then takes a seat. So, Constance, do you mind if I record this? And she pulls out a tape recorder and sets it on the table. Oh. (laughs) It's easier than taking notes by hand. Oh, boy. Uh, sure. I just want to capture the accuracy of your statement. Uh, yes, we we can do that. There might be points uh, in what I say where I might just write something down as like a an additional note about what I am saying verbally that I don't necessarily want to be in the record. That's fine. It's just for my record. So okay. if that makes you more comfortable. So as I recall from the brief statement I took last night, You said that there was a man, I believe you said mid-twenties, who you had seen earlier in the day who approached you at the, um, and she sort of flips through her notepad, the Visitor's Bureau and History Museum where you work. Is that accurate? Yes. He then left, and then later that night you saw him fleeing down the street, you, you say away from the prospector where the incident occurred? Yes. And he hissed at you yes he was moving in an unnatural way almost inhuman and then on my piece of paper i write down definitely not human she takes the piece of paper and sort of slides it across the table and looks at it and then looks at you and cocks her head to the side just ever so slightly and then lets you continue I just I just want to linger on that for a moment. Anyway, the moment I started drawing attention to them, they hissed at me again in a very unnatural, and I underline inhuman as I'm saying this, way. I just want there to be a clear record, and I would uh, love to get your thoughts on it and i also honestly just have a couple of questions about what's going on with this investigation because that person saw me saw saw me very clearly and understood me to be a threat because i was trying to draw attention to them so as far as i'm concerned this is my business because i might be in danger understandable and i really appreciate you coming back and allowing us to take a more comprehensive statement now when you say this person moved in an inhuman way Can you elaborate? You said they moved very quickly. Do you estimate that they may have been an athlete of some variety? I guess a good way to put it, because it was dark after all, is um, they were very graceful and fast. So athlete, no athlete, they are very physically capable. They definitely seemed to have more strength than the average person and to require a much harder takedown. And do you have any evidence aside from the hissing? And the yellow eyes and the really fast movement and the fact that they presumably drained all the blood from the person they killed? Nope, that's that's pretty much it. Well, our leading theory on Earl's tragic death is that it was an animal attack. But uh, I'd actually like to return to earlier that morning. You did say you had an interaction with this individual and that they didn't pay the fare at the museum that you work at. Is that an accurate summary? Yes, they 
They did not, which also uh, adds to my theory that, you know, maybe they're going to come after me. And I believe you stated that you pursued this individual out of the museum after they failed to pay? Yeah, that's our policy. Yeah, you get them to the parking lot. Okay, I see. Could you please tell me your whereabouts at 8.36 this morning? God damn it. Um, <laughs> well, I can tell you I wasn't alone. Oh, and who are you with? I would love to know. <laughs> you know, I'm starting to think that we're not on the same page. I came here to provide some information and to ask you a couple of questions and we haven't gotten to the me asking questions part. So why don't we do that? And I'm going to go ahead and start with, do you have any leads on the the, the weird stuff going on with the cows? I am going to, I'm going to have you do another <laughs> manipulate someone. Because <laughs> that sounds about right. You, you want answers to questions and Detective Galvan wants answers to questions. And so that is what you can offer her is sort of a quid pro quo. Um, so go ahead and roll to manipulate someone to see what what this sure. exchange works out to be. At which point would it be an act under pressure if I'm being like interrogated? <laughs> you trying to make a cool check? I am trying to make a cool check. <laughs> yeah, Battle of wits. What's your charm? I, I don't think you need to act under pressure. Okay. All right. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fair. Ooh, another seven. Detective Galvan looks at you. And uh, you see just the faintest hint of a smile on her face. I understand that you're concerned for your safety. It's only appropriate that we provide as much information as we can. Obviously, there are certain things that we cannot disclose as police officers. But why don't you tell me where you were at 8.36 this morning, and then I'll answer your questions. And who you were with. That seems like you're asking me to answer two things for the price of one nugget of information. and. Well, you said you had several questions. I do. Uh, I just feel like I have provided a lot of information, and I'm getting a lot of promises for things, but no like sign of good faith. Good faith is at the core of the Ferment Police Department, but I, I am going to have to insist. This is your um, seven to nine. Okay. You've asked too much, and this is what you need to do to show that you mean it. Sure. Uh. Now I'm going to be honest, I didn't keep exact track of time, but at 8.30 this morning, I was either at my apartment with two other individuals or I was in a car with them going to the park. And those two other individuals? <laughs> no, uh, Constance, no! <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> I'll say this. Here on the uh, wind. <laughs> you, you know them. You know who they are. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, no, Hannah, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> I am going to need names. Oh my god. <laughs> well, I think you know one of them is Leon. He was here earlier. He, in fact, has told you what he's been up to. So you already know that he was with me, unless he was much slyer than me and kept that to himself. He and Eve insisted that they have his camera back, but that's about all they said. Okay, well, he's one of them, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and leave it at that. Because you can verify with Leon if that's accurate or not. So Leon and who else? Leon and I'm afraid I am individual. going to have to insist. I don't think you do. See, one witness of where I am is quite good considering you haven't even followed up on that. So why don't you follow up and if you have more <laughs> questions, then I can give you another name. 
Mm. Now, well, how about I am very sorry that questions. we couldn't come to an agreement, but I do appreciate your help in this investigation. Um, okay. And she stands up and opens the door. Oh, great! Where do I file a complaint? Oh, oh you can file that with the receptionist. <laughs> okay, and when I Have come back with day. the camera crew, which angle would you like? Oh my god! Uh, oh, your you can connect taken. with our um, public information office. Oh man! Okay. As I walk out, I accidentally tip a, a stack of papers off her desk. <laughs> she uh, she smiles at you. Take care. JR, you are in the prospector. Um, it is still closed. I think there's only one light on, and it's the light that's over the bar where Jasper is standing. He has poured two shots of whiskey, and he's got his pistol laid out on the bar top. And you can see, uh, illuminated under this light, his uh, stubbly face, a little bit of a, a pot belly, and he pushes one of the glasses of whiskey across the bar and picks up the pistol and beckons for you to take a seat. Great. This is great. I take the glass. I don't take the shot yet. Now, Jasper, you mentioned two of your clientele. I, for personal reasons, had the police scanner on all night, and I didn't hear anything over the scanner about another dead body. This was about... 8.30, 8.45 in the morning, somebody put a call in, and uh, they dispatched an officer to investigate a dead body not too far from here. And uh, I know they took Earl away, so I don't know what you know, but I want to know what you know. You want to know what I know about- None of this- <laughs> we, had our, we had our fights here at the Prospector, sure. Nobody's ever gotten killed here, much less what I saw, or poor Earl. And now maybe there's a second? I don't mean to be rude, but none of this happened until you rolled into town, so I want to know what you know. I mean, I've been here like a month, <laughs> but you, you want to know what I... <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to know what you want to know about why I want to thinking what i'm thinking that you're thinking about what i i'm clearly stalling um (laughs) jasper can tell (laughs) uh jasper did you record it or did you just hear this over the police scanner jasper gets um gets a little frustrated i think and he he sort of waves the pistol a little bit like behind him towards the scanner says I, I already told you, I, I heard it on the scanner. Somebody, like, I guess somebody called in and the police dispatch sent an officer to investigate a threat, a credible report of another dead body who was wearing biker gear was all that the caller said. Huh. And I don't think it's Earl because Earl, they already, they, the coroner took him away and <laughs> I don't think it's Earl. Again. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. And he turns back to face you and says, oh, yeah, oh what's interesting? No, what, just, what, what's going on here? Just like two men hustle me and then both of them end up dead. Kind of feels like maybe I'll be the next one. Now I'm worried. 
Jasper, you can see that I I could be a I'm I'm the real victim here. <laughs> or two people wound up dead in my bar, and maybe I'm gonna be the next victim. What is gonna what's be like ha- Shana what is it? What's going <laughs> Look, I don't know. I have an idea, but it's it's wild, Jasper. It's super wild, and it's probably not what's going on. I've seen a few wild things in my day. Try me. Like what? Like, what have you seen, Jasper? Strange things sometimes happen in Firmament. If you're floating something strange, you could find less interested ears than these two right here. Like, <gasps> not human? Are you suggesting what's doing this isn't natural? I'm doing more than suggesting. I'm saying that I think whatever's responsible is not human. Jasper takes the pistol, tucks it underneath the bar, and takes the whiskey and sips on it a little bit. Says, well, what do you think it is? Well, Jasper, the the running theory from somebody who knows a little bit more about this than I do is something called... Astragoy. It's Eastern European. It's sort of like a vampire. And, uh... You think there's... There's a vampire in Firmament? Well, that would explain what I saw when I saw... Earl. He looked a little... Empty. I was gonna go dry, but yeah. A little empty. Uh... Wait, how did you know that? I peeked out. I saw him. Yeah. After you turned tail. Uh, you can't blame me, okay? I had a fight with him, and then he ends up dead, and I really didn't want to stick around. Nah, uh, you look guilty as hell. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'll figure it out. But that's what we think it is. But we're not really sure. And by we, I mean me and my two nameless compatriots. Oh, that's mighty suspicious. Yeah, super <laughs> suspicious. Like, that's sort of my deal. But that's kind of our thoughts on it. I mean, do you know where it came from? Like, what, is it, what does it look like? What, anything like that? It's tall. It seems to like aviator sunglasses. I don't think that's a Sturgoy thing. I think it's that particular Sturgoy. And moves real fast. You like, um, I don't know, maybe... 24, 25, tall, skinny, got like a lanky vibe to him. Yeah, yeah, that sounds a lot like what I saw. Do you know somebody like that, Jasper? Sure do. He was in here a week ago, maybe. He uh, said he was in from out of town, visiting. He'd just come from the, the firmament. Oh, what do you call it? The Visitor's Museum. Uh-huh. Said he was going to go hike the Tiger Lily Switchback Trail. And uh, said he was staying at, um, at an empty dorm room in Firmament College. Okay. But that was a week ago. I haven't seen him since. He didn't look like a vampire. Uh-huh. I mean, he ordered a steak. Do you think it was... But he ordered it medium. <laughs> I, I mean, he could have just wanted to eat a, a steak. 
But I mean, he looked, he didn't look like a vampire. He, he looked pretty normal. Did he say what his name was? I probably have the, the sale somewhere. He goes over to the cash register and, and punches it and the tray comes out and there's just this, he pulls out this like big stack of receipts. After a few minutes, he pulls one out. He has a like an enthusiastic look on his face and an aha look on his face and the light bulb goes on. Yep. And he looks at you and then you see his eyes go wide. Something's behind me, isn't there? Almost immediately, you hear the reason for his pause. Shit. The <laughs> deadbolt that is holding the front door of the prospector in place is quietly rattling back and forth as the door reverberates against the frame. Something or someone is trying to get in. Alvin, I think you are finishing your uh, hurdle across town. (laughs) I'm going to assume... (laughs) Thank you for that Foley work. Um, Yeah, gotcha. I'm going to assume that you are taking side streets, given the the way that yeah. you are making this expeditious journey. Is yeah, that- side okay. streets and like, since I'm kind of leaping and bounding sometimes up, you know, up and over small, like one story buildings or fences, you can probably pretty easily scale those. Okay. So you're, you're rolling through some, some single family areas, just jumping fences and stuff. And you arrive at the police station. It doesn't take you terribly long. The Jackalope is sort of in a uh, historic downtown and the, the police station is sort of on the other side. So you get there relatively quickly. And as you arrive, you see Eve walking out of the police station. I think you have probably, probably met know Eve. Eve. You definitely know who she is. I know she's kind of Leon's boss or yeah. co-worker. Yeah. yeah. She is hustling towards her car. What, what do you uh, do? As I see her come out, as I'm kind of like rounding the corner, I'll rather clumsily try to shift into a more human looking jog okay, um, <laughs> and kind of stumble a little bit and try to like calm a little bit and kind of like jog up to Eve and be like, Eve, Eve, have you seen Leon? I'm sorry. Do I, do I know you? Uh, oh, oh uh, uh, yeah, I think so. Alvin? Alvin, I'm, I'm, yeah, Leon's roommate. Sorry, you just, and best um... friend. Last time uh, we saw you at the at the Jackalope Holiday Festivist party, it, your your hair was. It, I didn't recognize you with your haircut and the beard. Hmm. Uh, yes, I've uh, just grown it out. Um, have you seen Leon? Yeah, you know he came in earlier this morning and he he told me about this run in that he. I guess you were there too. He told me about this run in that you had with the cops and he asked for my help getting his camera back. I tried to get the camera back, but they weren't budging. So I just filed twenty public records requests. That's yeah, that's good. That I mean, we'll get that camera back eventually, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you know? So he's not. Do you know where he went? You know, he came in. He filed a story. He asked for all his help. But as soon as we got to the police station, he left. He said he was working on his biggest story yet. Wouldn't tell me a damn thing about it since his only source is off the record. Apparently, huh? Told me he was going to go look for evidence. Where where it started, whatever the fuck that means, I don't know. Huh. Listen, if you find him, and she uh, reaches into the pocket of her jeans and pulls out a phone, can you give him this? He left it at the police station. Is that his phone? Yeah, it's his phone. I have a job to do, so I can't track him down, but it sounds like that's what you're doing. So if you f- see him, 
Will you give this back to him and tell him to get the fuck back to work? Yep. Roger that. See ya later, Eve. Uh, so Alvin's gonna poke his head into the police station and kind of call out, Constance? And I guess I see Constance knocking over paper as she huffs out. I think, I think that's <laughs> fitting. I think at this moment, um, you, you see Constance sort of push open the door from the secure door from the bullpen and like walk by the reception area and just kind of like knock some papers off. And, uh, Constance, as you head for the exit to the police station, you see Alvin. Hey, Alvin. Um, let's- have you had as much luck as I have? Oh, were you also uh, unfairly interrogated? And how, how are you doing? Um, I've got a lot of, I don't know, and then I've been running. Constance, you do see that Alvin now has a, what would for most people be probably a two-week beard? <laughs> and his hair has grown out by about an inch. <laughs> oh, oh, Alvin, let's, let's talk somewhere else oh yes okay yeah um so we head out al alvin have you looked at yourself in the mirror since this morning uh no why i pull out my little sephora mirror it's it's a great little flip out mirror uh some some listeners might be familiar with it this episode brought to you by sephora yes (laughs) boy wouldn't that be an interesting product placement (laughs) um Uh, it is a very handy mirror. Anyway, uh, Constance pulls it out and and hands it slowly to Alvin. Not sure if he wants to see. Yeah, I'll take a look and be like, oh, geesh, that's more than usual. Um, yeah, it's fine. You know, it's that's fine. We could take care of that later. Um, but right now, I'm worried about Leon. I think he may have found something or caught on to something. He seems to have apparently left in a rush. Uh, I have his phone. Oh, how'd you get his phone? Eve had it, which means Leon doesn't what? have his phone, hmm. which is slightly troublesome. But she mentioned that he went okay. back to where it all started. I'm I'm worried about Leon, but maybe we should also check in with JR. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you guys had way more luck than I did. <laughs> Literally only just now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, ho- hopefully JR had, had more luck than me. Um, well... Yeah, let's let's do that. All right. Since time is of the essence, we got to kind of be quick about it. So um, it's a little awkward, but um, do you, I can Piggy if you want to just like, hop on? Yes. Oh, <laughs> boy. That's not going to look I'm very weird. Quick. That's... Yeah, that's going to draw a whole lot of attention. <laughs> we'll take the back roads. Just. Hey, your narrator here. Friendly, friendly reminder. <laughs> hey, friendly narrator. Constance, Hi, narrator. you drove to the police station. Oh, Constance has the oh, car. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, ho- hold on. So why don't, why don't you know piggyback rides? I mean, oh. why y'all, why y'all can settle on your transportation however you want to, but just, just so you have all it the information available, you do have a car. Alvin I- is patting his, his like lower back area while standing in, directly in front of the car. <laughs> Hot, here's an idea. Very fast motor. Oh. And less attention? Let's get in the car. You know what? This is why you have all the good ideas. You know, you should you should tell other people that. <laughs> I feel I feel like I could use a PR rep right now. The two of you get into the car, and I think both of your phones sort of ding at the same time. Does Leon's phone also ding? 
good Alvin, question. you pull out your phone and you realize there's nothing on there. And you pull out Leon's phone <gasps> and you see on the, the home screen before you unlock it, the unread message and voicemail that you left him. Uh-huh. Constance, you pull out your phone and there is a calendar reminder. <laughs> oh, no. For oh, no. 30 <laughs> oh, no. minutes for- from now, which to be clear, has absolutely been programmed in by your mother. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for this interview. Womp, womp. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Hey everybody, it's Quinn, your Keeper and Narrator, here to welcome you to the intermission. I know things are getting a little bit spooky, so if you want to turn the lights on, I understand. I promise I won't tell anybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 4 of Monster Hour, where it turns out the real monster is the friends that won't text you back. This is the first episode that we've released since our launch, and we have been blown away by all the support and encouragement. The four of us are having a lot of fun making this show, but the real joy comes from knowing that folks are enjoying listening to it. So from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And a special thank you to those folks who have helped spread the word about the show by leaving us a rating and review, giving some love on social media, or recommending us to a friend. It really is the best way to make sure that new folks find out about the show and get to enjoy all the crazy antics that our characters are getting up to. If you haven't done one of those things yet, maybe give it a try. Who knows? You might like it. That's it for me, folks. Monster Hour will return in two weeks on August 27th. See you then. JR, you are in the dimly lit prospector. It is still closed, but someone is rattling the front door, and the reverberations from the deadbolt are softly echoing through this dark space. Okay, are they like getting in is this some like lock picking action going on here or is it just spooky <laughs> why don't you read a bad situation for me all right let's see that is sharp ah oh that's a 13 my friend oh damn okay on a 10 plus you can hold three so you get to ask three questions from this list All right. What's my best way in? What's my best way out? Are there any dangers we haven't noticed? What's the biggest threat? What's most vulnerable to me? What's the best way to protect the victims? Okay, so I get three of those. All right. uh, Yes. I would like to first ask, are there any dangers we haven't noticed? I think what I'll give you for this is... It's not so much dangers that you haven't noticed as potential sources of danger. Okay. There are several entryways into the prospector. There is the back door. There are the front windows, which could be broken. And there are, I think you would know this because you've been at the prospector a number of times, there are also windows in the bathroom. Great. So the danger here is that whatever is trying to get in the front door <laughs> yeah. has multiple ways that it could get in. Fucking great. Okay, uh, I would like to know what's the best way out. The best way out right now would be to go out the back door. Okay, uh, and then I'm going to ask, what's the best way to protect the victims? The best way to protect the victims would be either to escape right now uh, or to bar all the doors. Okay, well, I think barring all the doors is a little unrealistic. Uh, I'm going to pull out my revolver and I turn to Jasper and I go, 
we should leave now and we should go out the back. Jasper nods and he has his pistol out again. I would like to move quickly but quietly so that hopefully I'm not going to draw too much attention to where we are exiting. Are you going to make me roll for that? I'm not going to make you roll, but what I will tell you is that when you speak to Jasper, that rattling stops. Great. We should still probably leave. The two of you make your way through the still darkened prospector, and you see the back door. It's, it's still shut, and you open it, and the early light of morning streams in. You see the alleyway where the motorcycle sort of skidded out, mm-hmm. but there's no sort of immediate sign of danger. Okay. I want to see if I can sneak around the building and see if I can see anybody at the front. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. Roll me an act under pressure. Right. I think that's the appropriate one here. Oh, boy. Uh, That's a 10. Okay. You accomplish what you set out to do. So you very quietly and very stealthily make your way around towards the front. Okay. And you sort of shimmy up against the corner and peek around, and there is nothing at the front door. Oh, shit. All right. Is Jasper still, he's still back in the alley? You tell me. Would you have told him to follow you, or would you have told him to wait? I think I probably would have told him to stay there. So I'm going to walk back around, because I want to find out, we still need to find out who whose name was on that receipt. You make your way back around, and you see Jasper sort of like, staring towards you in your direction as you round the corner. And his eyes are slightly wide in oh, fear. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, I'm going to turn around and look. It's right behind me, isn't it? You turn around and there is nothing there. What? Jasper, what are you looking at? You turn back and you see Jasper has fallen to his knees. And standing almost perfectly behind him Shit, is... fuck! Oh no! A figure wearing a Firmament College hooded sweatshirt and dark aviators. And there's just a big chunk of Jasper's shoulder missing. Shit! And blood is pouring down. Shit! Oh! (sighs) And he collapses to the ground in front of this creature. It's not going to kill it, but I got to shoot at it. Okay, roll to kick some ass. Also... (laughs) Episode four, we got to kick some ass roll. All right. For for our listeners, this is the fighting roll, which does happen in Monster of the Week. Oh, no. Oh, it's no. It's good. JR, you're just going to fight the monster. Alvin and Constance are going to go do a job interview. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's a four, so I get another experience. Yeah. Four's, four's the bad one. God, I really hope I don't hit Jasper. Uh, on a miss, something bad happens, and I get to take a hard move. I think what happens is you empty your clip, and you're you're rattled. Like, JR, you are a, a criminal, but you're not- you don't get your hands dirty a lot. Nope. And this would leave most people pretty rattled. You empty your clip, and this creature drops down to all fours, and you just miss wildly. And when they do drop to all fours, they sink their teeth- into Jasper's shoulder, and you can see blood start pouring down their mouth. And you can see the skin on Jasper's body start to shrink and shrivel. 
nope, fuck this. I pull out the knife and I'm charging him. Hmm. I like this bar. I like this bar a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So this could be a kick some ass, but it might also be an opportunity for another move we haven't used yet, which is protect someone. Is your primary goal to hurt this creature or is it to protect Jasper? I want to protect Jasper. I want to get get the creature off of him. Um, So go ahead and roll me a protect someone, which is still plus tough, but it's a different move. All right. Um... That's going to be a five. Oh, oh, boy. That's another experience point. It is. <laughs> hey, sidebar. Hannah, do you have like a second character sheet that you have ready? <laughs> no, but I have an idea of something I can do when this doesn't work. So let's go ahead and resolve this. So I get to take a hard move. Great. You yeah. charge forward with your knife after emptying your clip from your revolver. And this creature snaps to attention before you're even halfway there and just pounces on you. And I don't think you've seen this yet, but it has these horribly razor sharp claws. Of course it does. Um, And they just dig into you for two harm. Oh, yikes. Uh, And it pins you down to the ground and just tears at you. Great. Before leaping off and skittering half to the side, still on all fours, sort of crouched down. Okay. Is it still there? Is it leaving? Oh, no, it's not leaving. You get the sense that it is toying with you. Great. And as it leaps off of you, it takes a a half of a breath and stands back up to standing on two feet like an ordinary human would. And it looks at you and its lips part. And you hear, Clavis. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? And quite and quite. Fabulous. Fabulous. Jen. Jen. one. Is it just standing there, like being all creepy, or is it going away? It holds out one hand and it repeats. Clavis. Uh. Yeah. I don't. Mm, uh. I think Jr. is starting to feel a little lightheaded too. As you look, sort of puzzled. It looks like it's smiling at first, and then you realize it's just baring its teeth, and you see this row of serrated incisors that look like animal teeth, but more yeah, stubby and serrated, Great. almost like shark teeth. Sure, that's where I was going to go with shark teeth. And Great. it bears these teeth at you. All right. Is it coming it's it's going to come for me, right? I mean, it still has its hand outstretched, but it is this is not a friendly display to be certain. Okay, I'm going to kind of scrabble backwards a bit to where Jasper is to get away from this thing. I think as you scramble away, it lets its hand fall and drops back down to all fours and then springs towards you. Okay, so I'm going to act from a place that I only am sort of aware of what I'm doing. But I'm going to try and use magic to basically propel it away. We haven't talked a lot about your use magic yet, but I'm I'm excited for this. So Yeah. So we'll describe this once we figure out how it all shakes up. Okay. So you choose an effect uh, and then you roll. It sounds like you... So you want to stop this thing, basically. Yeah, I want to get it away from me and Jasper because okay. it's going to come towards me. And I have a feeling I know it wanted me to become a Strigoid too. And that's not JR's bag. 
So I think the effect here, there's there's ten effects, so I'm not gonna read them all, but I think the effect that you're you're thinking of is bar a place or portal to a specific person or type of creature. Mm-hmm. And I think that covers blocking and repelling this strigoi. Yeah. So there are certain requirements that I can put in place as the keeper. I think for this one, for simplicity's sake, I'm not going to put any in. So let's just do a straight use magic roll, which is plus weird. All right. That's a 12. There you go. (laughs) All right. Okay. Out of 10 plus, the magic works without a glitch. So this thing leaps towards you. And I think think you just shout the word stop. And this creature in midair strikes a unseen barrier and just falls back onto the concrete about five feet away from you. Mm -hmm. And it leaps again, and again it is repelled by this barrier. And it stands up, and you can see it hold out this clawed hand, these razor-sharp fingernails that are thick and blackened, and it sort of rakes them along this invisible wall. And then as it is clear that whatever you have done isn't fading, it lopes off out of the alleyway. Did we win? <laughs> uh, how is Jasper doing? Jasper is in bad shape. Great. Jasper has a serious wound to his shoulder. It, it looks like an animal bit him. Um, right. Like a large animal. And, I mean, he's missing a lot of blood. He's not conscious. Great. I think I'm going to have to call... I mean, as much as I don't really want to get the police involved, but like, I don't want him to die. I'm going to call 911. You dial 911. And as you do, you feel something hot pressing against your torso. And after fumbling around for a moment, you fish your skeleton key out of your suit jacket pocket. And as you hold it in your hands, it is warm to the touch, almost uncomfortably so. Uh Uh-huh. And almost immediately, you notice something you've never seen before on it. There's a inscription inlaid in the curls and ringlets that make up the handle. The mm-hmm. script, it's not anything you recognize. In fact, you're not even sure if it's a script at all or some sort of set of symbols. But all you can tell is that there are six distinct engravings on this handle, and all of them are glowing with a soft, pale light. Huh. And as you stare at it, the glow slowly fades until there's no sign of these inscriptions at all. Huh. It's never done that before. Hello, this is Dispatch. How may I help you? I'm back behind the the pros... Oh, I don't feel so good. Uh, back behind the prospector, someone's been attacked, and we need medical service. Okay, thank you. Can you please stay on the line? Yeah. I, I'm really not feeling super hot. I've got two wounds. Where did it get me? Did it, like, it got me, like, across the side, right? Yeah, I think it clawed you on down both sides of your rib cage. So, um, you I mean your your suit is ruined for sure. Sorry. Oh, I know that's probably worse than no! than the two harm, but <laughs> it's just a practical suit. implication of wearing a suit into a fight. Oh, <laughs> my baby, your suit is drenched with blood. Great. Well, I need stitches too, probably. Right. I mean, two harm, you're not unstable, which is sort of like the- Okay. Unstable is at four harm. Right. And unstable means like, if you don't get treatment, you you will get worse and you will die. Gotcha. So two harm, I mean, you will continue sort of bleeding. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, but even if you don't receive medical treatment, you will be okay. Okay. 
I mean, if you don't get stitches, you'll have six scars, but um, right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. fine. Scars are fun. Okay, so while you've explained this, I've been weighing my options because one of my options I was thinking was I just leave again, but that's probably not a good option. And then I thought, well, I could leave my cell phone there, but that's also probably not a good option because they're going to find my cell phone. They're going to figure out whose phone it is. So I probably have to stick around at least until medical aid shows up. Okay. I don't love this. I do not like this, but it is like the least bad option. So you stay on the line. And eventually, the paramedics do show up. Not eventually. They have a good response rate in firmament. I think it's only about five minutes before an EMT shows up. I mean, they have to with all of those fender benders and traffic accidents. Yeah. So this EMT like pulls into the alleyway, sirens blaring. You hear them from a, a little ways out. So if you want to, I, I don't know if you want to do something, but you do hear them coming. No, because I want to see, like, I want to see if Jasper's going to be okay, because now I'm invested. So two EMTs jump out, and they immediately start delivering medical treatment to Jasper, and they, they start loading him up into the ambulance. And the passenger side door to this ambulance opens, and you see this large figure unfurl themselves almost. Yeah. And Chief Stoney yeah. steps out. Yeah. Well... Fancy seeing you here again, JR. <laughs>